Hey, everyone. Welcome to another conversation. This this fellow uh, needs real, really no introduction, but uh, I have for some some insightful uh, discussion here, Daniel Gortz, writer behind uh, Hansi Freinacht and the emerging, what would it be, uh, a, a heptology? What would you call a six-volume uh, collection? Uh, I don't really have a word for it. It's yeah. uh, the, the Hansi series. The Hansi series. Um, but so far, Listening Society, Volume 1, and uh, Nordic Ideology, Volume 2, soon to be followed by many um, more uh, illuminating and uh, fascinating works. Um, and uh, for one, yeah, this is just, this is a treat to finally be able to have some conversation about some some issues. Um, uh, so I guess without further ado, I'd love to just kind of hop into it um, and throw some questions by you. Um, but uh, I, with, there's so much, so many ways we could kind of contextualize this. And I think that probably we could talk about the topic of metamodern spirituality at some length. So, um, but, you know, needing to pick a place, uh, why don't we start with a little context? Because I feel like that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, one of the contextual issues that comes up a lot is sort of uh, appreciating and differentiating and understanding some of the different lineages at play here. And so, um, in, for example, my metamodern spirituality Facebook group that I am, you know, actively involved in, we have a lot of folks who are come, who come from the integral community. And there's a lot of people in general who come to metamodernism through uh, the integral community. So I was hoping you could say a little bit just at the outset, um, what's the relationship, as you would say, between metamodernism and integral? Mm. So, um, I mean, just, just on a very basic level, uh, both purport to uh, to describe something that goes beyond and uh, comes after uh, what we have uh, gotten to know in so many ways as postmodernism and postmodernity. So, um, um, it, it, if you differentiate a bit further from that uh, from that point of departure, that, that's basically what they have in common, uh, just on just on a surface level. Both say, uh, well, uh, postmodern thinking has deconstructed the world. Now we can uh, put it together in new ways, right? Um, and and as such, they they tend to uh, to be well more more holistic, more more uh, creative, more hopeful in a sense, right? If you look at the main popularization of the term metamodernism, and as we usually think about it these days, uh, what Brent Cooper has called the Dutch school, um, it really had very little to do with uh, with integralism. The, the, the two strands were not aware of each other uh, and probably wouldn't have found each other that relevant. So integralism uh, has uh, come out of... Uh, the spiritual wild west of the of the American continent and uh, out of California culture, out of Boulder, Colorado, out of the counterculture, and uh, and then its uh, its developments over decades, uh, with, which uh, spawned um, unique intellectuals of, of that brand, like uh, like Ken Wilber, and primarily Ken Wilber uh, gave life to that way of thinking. Whereas uh, metamodernism uh, came out of, uh, well, uh, as you've seen in your 
as you've discussed in your interview with the with the Vermeulen, no, Tim, Tim Vermeulen, yes, um, him and Van der Acker, they studied uh, movements within the arts uh, primarily, and they noticed that hmm, there is something going on here that is decidedly no longer meaningfully described as postmodern and they saw well there's a an explanatory gap between uh, the the code systems that they kind of imbued in, in at university and what they were observing out there in the world in the field right um so at that point they had really very little in common now for me uh, I, I came from the from the integral background, not the med modernist background. Uh, I was not uh, an art scholar; I was a sociologist. Uh, I had found integralism at a point in my life where uh, uh, I felt a certain level of disenchantment, had had uh, anxiety for years, etc. Yeah, learned to meditate. I put, picked up uh, a lot of uh, like those spiritual technologies around the same time. I was uh, finishing my master's in sociology and, and I noticed that I didn't believe in any of the maps, uh, really. Like I, I could go and hmm, there's something interesting going on in critical realism. There's something interesting going on in Lumen systems theory, something interesting going on in Habermasian theory and the sociology of knowledge. I really like that. That's really fundamental somehow, but in nothing I felt that there should be some kind of interconnection between these things, right? There should be larger maps you can mm. select between them, coordinate them non-arbitrarily. I thought maybe that will be my life's work as a, as a young scholar. And then, you know, knock, knock. Uh, Wilbur has already done it, you know? Uh, and it was uh, years and years ahead. And I, it, I soaked it up like a sponge. Uh, and, and not only did it coordinate uh, my sociological understanding uh, and in my understanding of the fields of theory and place those uh, on the same map as other sciences, it also uh, allowed me to integrate uh, meditative experience into the same map of reality. Uh, it, and helped me to see phenomenology for what it was, first person experience and see that within that there is a whole realm uh, and and in a sense sciences uh, of the mind um, or, or at least uh, or at least things that uh, that can be systematized and and and, uh, and learned um, and that uh, all of these things interact in a non-arbitrary manner so well that that really blew my mind open and I I really became an integralist in my DNA right um, and I wanted to be, being a social scientist being uh, uh, interested in in politics and the development of society I really wanted to use this stuff it's like, you know I, I started using it in seminars without necessarily quoting Wilbur or anything referen uh, referencing it but I noticed this is powerful stuff you can you can enter you enter a space of kind of low-hanging fruit like if you have these uh, well i think it's fair to say superior maps of reality you um uh, you see so many potentials like you can enter any field any discussion and you'll notice well they're not coordinating the maps here and here you, you they were they're missing this entire aspect of reality or they're overlooking this thing or they're not seeing the developmental perspective which is a big thing in in uh, 
uh, integral theory. So uh, I felt this incredibly powerful and, uh, and I thought it should stand to reason that you could use this stuff for political change. So that's where I started and uh, wanted to create integral uh, political uh, movements and stuff in, in uh, um, countries like in, like in Scandinavia. But uh, I also noticed, having worked with that a few years, that there were, uh, uh, there were limitations to how well this could be used as a, as a theory of social change. There were limits to how, how useful it was as a, as a political theory. Um, and uh, there were also a bunch of scandals uh, around uh, cults and stuff that had uh, amassed around the whole thing and then behaviors of Wilbur himself, etc. who I still admire and appreciate, but he never quite apologized for those things. And, and, and those things were never quite reckoned with or, or rec you know, there, there, were, there were wounds that weren't reconciled or, or healed. And, um, and as those cracks kind of grew, and certain assumptions that I had had that you could gather the people who would be, let's say, at you know the integral stages of development who would kind of get this and and that they could see something together, uh, they didn't seem to hold up. And I also noticed that there were things about the developmental models, uh, or we noticed because I worked with other people, and that some people were highly complex and other people were highly spiritually developed and that wasn't entirely accounted for sure there were some theories about that stuff but it wasn't like you didn't get that clarity of detail so uh so when when i found out there's another answer to what comes after uh, uh integralism uh, which is more compelling than than uh, for instance digimodernism etc which were more, more, more or less within this space of commentary on mm -hmm. postmodernist commentary upon itself, right? Um, I, I saw a pretty good fit that, aha, uh -huh, uh, integral disconnects from everyday life and everyday reality with its wild new age spirituality uh, from which much of its pathologies grows. Uh, it also often skips past a lot of the, the hard work of critical theory, of deconstruction and so on, uh, of critique uh, that, that comes from the postmodern realm. And people tend to, in the, in the integral space, tend to be fairly allergic even to some of that and, and, uh, and adverse to it. So I felt uh, metamodern is, is much, uh, as in the Dutch school, if we call them that, uh, is much closer to that and they are on the beat with what's genuinely happening within our culture. And, and integralism was terribly offbeat, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so so in, in, in my mind, these two things were, well, almost like two wings of a bird, right? That uh, on, the, on the one hand, you need to connect to, to what's truly happening, sensitively connect what's truly happening within the arts, within architecture, within society, within its sensibility. That's where the spark of change is. And that's where the potential is for, for, for real movements. At the same time, integralism had the developmental perspective. It had holistic maps that you could employ. It had um, 
and this uh, this connection to to profound spirituality it was holistic in that sense that you could include inner dimensions uh, and and the, the the subjective states which you are part of so as to draw upon those subjective states into your thought structures and then your actions and and then of course your interactions so you can create uh create uh, institutions and cultures uh, with new cultural sensibilities like so so metamodernism in its original formulation was incredibly um, uh, interesting but not powerful as an, an instrument or vehicle of social change and if you look at those intellectuals they they uh, explicitly draw upon the the, the postmodern code when they when they comment upon the economy and injustices of society and so on uh, and uh, they, they use terms like neoliberalism etc uh, so they didn't, to a full enough extent, see what 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 they were that they were part of being of co constructing a, a next stage in, mm. in a sense of society mm -hmm. at large, which was much more clearly formulated in uh, in uh, integralism. But within integralism, it came with too many pathologies. It had been too eager and grasped too too far into the potentials of the future and kind of lost itself oftentimes uh, in that process. Right? Yeah. So that's a great segue then for where I'm curious about where this leads us, because as you say, integral has these uh, pathologies um, that it sort of overextends mm -hmm. itself. It's, it's reaching maybe a bit too much into the spiritual realm. Uh, and then, uh, well, I don't want to presume what the critique is, but like, um, I know that elsewhere in a, in a conversation moderated by, by Joe Lightfoot, you talked about, um, that, that kind of thinking of, of, of metamodernism as you were formulating it as sort of a, a, a secularized or politicized integralism and sort of in some ways taking out some of the, that pathological, um, woo factor in order to ground it a little bit more. Um, is that a fair way of putting it? I mean, or well, yes, yes. I mean, you're giving my own words back to me, so so, so, I, <laughs> so of course I, it's fair. I, I, I would kind of have to agree that yes. So so the the, the formulation of metamodernism that I attempted uh, and, and my friend Emil attempted um, is, is then um, a politicization uh, of of um, of uh, integralism in that we try to turn it from a, a, a general map of, oh, societies develop, humans develop, uh, the, the systems of nature themselves uh, uh, develop along certain axes, uh, but quite non-linearly and, and with these leaps and, uh, and the development always has a cost and all of those things, right? Um, and uh, it didn't actually tell people or suggest to people, well, so what can we do together? And this was rampant in in uh, in uh, integral circles. So you can you can take a person like uh, Mark Manson, a very active guy, and, and he writes self help books and stuff. And he was into integralism, and he wrote an article about it, right? And he was a big, uh, huge uh, Wilbur fan. And and uh, then I think in New York or somewhere, he, he would join those integralist circles. And and he noticed, uh, like so many other people, that the integral circles were about being integral. And then you kind of got stuck on like, okay, oh, finally somebody who speaks my language, finally somebody who likes Ken Wilbur, 
and uh, we're going to change the world. This has cosmic importance, yo. And then you're kind of two years later, you're in the same circle with the same people, and you're still talking about how you're integral and how people you know aren't. Um, so, so, so I mean, it, it kind of didn't have a project, right? Uh, get people to meditate. Nah, well, that's that's not a good enough project, and, and it also has has some shelf stuff down people's throats uh, dynamic to it. Uh, yeah, and the, the very holistic um, nature of it kind of invites a certain kind of totalitarianism also. Uh, so it, it attracts people on the far right and so on. Um, so, uh, and, and, and of course, oftentimes uh, postmodern uh, critique has uh, like post-colonialism, uh, anti-speciesism, anti-racism, all of those things. Uh, gender perspectives, they, they, they haven't been uh, powerfully enough integrated. So you try to move beyond them, but mm -hmm. you're on a quicksand kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, which again, depolitizes, the, the, it makes it non-political and, and that makes it impotent ultimately. And when something is impotent, when it believes to be something else, well, you have a setup for, for, for cults, uh, because then you become more and more right. trying to work yourselves and so on, which is what happened, right? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so the politicization and, and secularization, we segued naturally into that then, that uh, given that integralism was nevertheless married, particularly to uh, certain aspects of, of uh, uh, certain versions of, of uh, westernized Eastern philosophy, fundamentally Hinduism, fundamentally the Vedic tradition, but then it can go through uh, through uh, and any strand of Mahayana Buddhism, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's particularly appreciated the more radical forms of, of such of such. Um, uh, practices like like Tibetan Buddhism or or Zen, and um, given that uh, given that 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 spirituality uh, part is so central to uh, to uh, uh, integralism as we know it, it also tends to invite a lot of uh, a lot of woo woo, uh, unfortunately. Which was kind of the point of the whole thing uh, to begin with, right? right. That uh, you're you're not supposed to believe in um, energies and stuff, and nevertheless, people are so attracted to the spiritual side of it that those things do come back. And once those things do come back, together with a somewhat like we have the perspective of the totality, right? And then you kind of think, well, and we identify with this uh, evolutionary impulse. And whoever has come farthest than that evolutionary impulse kind of knows what the universe itself wants. And then you have the whole setup for inward looking guru worship, right? right. Um, so, so, yeah, well, so then th this for me, I don't mean to cut you off. I mean, yeah. finish, finish your point, but I, I'm, I'm curious then where, where, where it all leads because, um, so all that makes a lot of sense. Uh, then I wonder, um, what does a meta-modern spirituality then look like in some ways, right? It's almost like maybe the term, um, even maybe when it showed up and you saw it for the first time, maybe you were like, oh no, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, we- No, we, not uh, at all. Oh, okay. All. Well, because, right, because spirituality, I think also is a really important part of, of the Hanzi books. Um, in, and I, something I think that really um, 
is greatly to their credit and is deeply part of, I think, the sort of vision that there's a presumption that uh, higher states and achieving, you know, mm. higher states in general is deeply important for society, et cetera, and building in some ways a political project with that end in mind. Um, mm. But I guess I want to tease apart then. So what what is um, how do you how do you parse out the woo from like a, an authentic, genuine metamodern spirituality? What, what are the components of the latter that, that would look at the former and be like, no, 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 that's, that's not it. Um, so, so, uh, well, actually this segues to, to, to the last point I was making on the, on the, the on the former topic, because, uh, secularized, politicized, you, you could also use the analogy, um, um, conservative right in that it's it's a radical as well and it wants to change the face of society and, and its structures and and, and the, the nature of everyday life uh, but but it is uh, but it, it's somewhat less eager and radical than than uh, than uh, what you might have seen in uh, in instantiations of, of uh, the integral movement uh, given is, so, so an analogy that fits is if the uh, if the um, uh, integralists were kind of like commies, communists, uh, they're like, oh, we're going to awaken everything, everything is going to change, we're going to shift, we're going to get 10% of the population up to integral, and everything is going to change. Uh, the political metamodernist in mind is more like a social democrat. And that's like, uh, okay, uh, so maybe uh, there isn't um, an overflowing revolution uh, that is, uh, well, like some millenarian promise uh, going to flow over us around the next corner. Uh, but uh, the, the directionality is correct towards a more existential civilization, towards uh spiritual maturity towards spiritual connection uh, but that needs to be honed uh, conservatively and, and step by step because spirituality is such a powerful force uh, that it is not easily contained within our social relationships uh, so that uh, social relationships kind of like an overloaded um, wire tend to blow up if you uh, if you uh, uh, over overcharge them like mm -hmm. okay like there's this cosmic super duper truth so so then then the switch is from an explicit in your face spirituality with an aesthetics that comes with that so alex gray paintings like mm -hmm. uh, uh like uh, well they're they're basically from the inside of a of, a, of an lsd trip right mm -hmm. and and beyond that right uh two these much subtler moves that are within uh, the artworks that are analyzed by uh, by Vermeulen uh, uh, and Van der Acker and, and uh, their their whole community, uh, they, they showed it in literature, they showed it in in painting, they showed it in movies, they showed it in music, they showed it in architecture. The, how the spiritual is implicated, uh, so that, for instance, you sprinkle little lamps around the city landscape uh so it looks like uh like stars for instance and somehow you 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 subtly enchanted the the urban landscape 
a little bit, right? Or you open up certain space, you use modern or uh, you use contemporary um, uh, architecture to kind of create a sense of subtle awe, like mm, uh, th th that it, whoever then feels ready for that or whoever can pick up on that signal feels a certain connection and inspiration. And for the others, they can just leave it alone, right? Uh, and they don't feel pressured and they don't feel that need to uh, resist it, right? Uh, and they don't have to believe wild promises about what's possible to experience uh, as a conscious mind. Uh, whereas uh, integralism kind of presupposes that you have to believe in those wild promises. And the, all the people who do not have such spiritual experiences which is majority uh, are gonna uh, think you're phony, even though you're not. Uh, and worse, some of them are gonna be phony or they, maybe they actually did have some awesome experiences and they kind of build an identity on it and now they're invested in another thing, other people think they have it and do, 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 do. right? So, 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 you, so the conservative or, or responsible way of using this incredibly powerful force that is spirituality uh, is is through uh, is is through a responsible implication of it that is constructed so so it shines through between the cracks kind of right uh, you you never throw it in anyone's face you don't shake people like come on wake up uh, you uh, you you subtly invite by creating generative conditions that invite towards a more uh, cosmocentric uh, worldview and towards the is, is that a right? is that a means to an end though or is that that is that would be the ideal would be you could walk mm -hmm. through the world and not have any spiritual inclination or experience whatsoever but maybe if you did you'd see it or is it more just like um this is sort of a an incremental this is how we move towards society in which in which spirituality is more pervasive um and experience uh, so, so I would say both and, um, um, and uh, the, the both and is is thus that um, we probably do need for for our sanity, health, and survival uh, a more spiritually rich society. We we are spiritually impoverished and we are alienated, and there's something profoundly tragic about that, right? Uh, and and we need to address that issue. On the other hand, um, metamodern spirituality, as, uh, as suggested in, in Hansi anyway, is that, um, is that it doesn't view itself as superior to, uh, to non-spiritual life. So if you have a family member and they don't have any spiritual inclinations at all, uh, there's not a sense of like they haven't woken up or like spiritual life is superior. This is what life is supposed to be like, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the other person lives in Maya or illusion or something else. Uh, it's rather that uh, both have equal value and they will both continue to exist and they will both continue to kind of scathe against one and chafe against one another uh, for, for eternity. But you can, you can work on that point where it chafes to make to make it richer right so that non-spirituality let's say uh, secularism and 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 uh, 
and reductionism spills over more into uh, spirituality and dispels some of its pathologies and spirituality spells, uh, spills over and re-enchants what it can of, of, of well, an, an over-instrumentalizing, uh, yeah, hyper-rational, et cetera, civilization that, that we have, right? Um, yeah, you want to Do say? you, what, uh, so one of the uh, popular and important points in Wilbur's work is the idea of the pre-trans fallacy and, and, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, that, that rationality being non-rational can be very easily confused with being either pre-rational or, or beyond rationality. Um, for me, a lot seems to hinge in that domain there, though the, the presumption there is that it's possible to be trans-rational in which spirituality exists after mm -hmm. sort of modern rationality, um, yeah. which does suggest a kind of developmental progression that you kind of move from kind of modern rationality, maybe through postmodern deconstruction and then into kind of maybe a metamodern reconstruction and re-enchantment. Um, though it sounds like a little bit what, what you're saying is more that um, maybe they, maybe, maybe that kind of progression isn't there, that maybe that, that modern rationality needs to bleed more into, um, I don't know, uh, spiritual conceptions to kind of, as you say, kind of, uh, maybe exercise uh, so, the demons so, a little so, bit. Uh, so, so again, again, a kind of both and, uh, uh, I mean, if, I, I do believe that the attractor point is some kind of, uh, more profoundly spiritual civilization, but it's so far off. Uh, that it's not, uh, it, it shouldn't be guiding our steps at this point because it, it, it uh, becomes a distraction and it also, yeah. uh, well, creates all of those uh, leeways for, for fooling ourselves that we're uh, somewhere we're just not. Uh, and, and the social, uh, social um, institutions for containing those things uh, and cultural innovations and so on just aren't in place, right? Uh, so, uh, so, so likely we are going towards something like that, right? Uh, and in, in, we have a certain version then of the transrational, and it, it, it really is contained within what's was so beautifully observed as sincere irony by by Vermeulen and Van der Acker. Mm -hmm. now, uh, and and, and in, in your own stuff too. I mean, uh, you specifically wrote a poem about killing God and then reinventing the design, the, the, the divine, right? Um, so that there does appear to be a space uh, within which the transrational can come online. But my concern is that most people who, and most settings where the transrational is thrown around as a term, they're not done killing God. You kill God right. when you are fully postmodern. Yeah. It, like moderns believe in God, they just believe in the atheist God because the, you have a third person perspective on everything, which is the real world, which is, you know, ontic reality or whatever yeah. you want to call yeah. it. Uh, and they believe that's the real world. It's a gray colorless machine world. But who the hell uh, sees and and uh, and makes sure that world is there? Well, they just kept, they just shoved God 
in, in behind the curtains. Uh, and then they kept the soul too. They just relabeled it, the individual. Uh, and then for that same reason, they can be awfully... Uh, yeah, so now th this is an idea that I'm really interested by, though I also know that it's right on the knife's edge of being a really bad and terrible idea. I'll just set that out <laughs> right at the get-go. Mm -hmm. um, yes, so wonderful. I love those ideas. Yeah, <laughs> so um, Hansi talks a lot about... He, I mean defines spirituality as being those things that pertain to the kind of highest states um, and, and, and stages don't really come into the, to the discussion as much in terms of conversations about, um, uh, about spirituality. But here's, here's what I'm, here's an angle I'm interested in. And I'm curious if this would be anathema to you, or if you feel like, yeah, that could be, that could be something. Um, so if you do think about these attractor points through time and you do talk about, as you say, like the, the, the way that, that uh, each sort of symbol stage kind of kills the God before it, but then kind of makes their own new one. Right. Um, what if you do see that as, yeah. a, as the evolution or the development of the God concept through these different symbol stages? Right. Yeah. And uh, so then the question for me becomes, well, what is, what is the God concept in metamodernity and metamodernism? Um, is that, yeah. I, 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 one of the one of the reasons why this could be dangerous or problematic is another thing that Hansi is sort of at pains to say is like we, we're not doing teleology here necessarily, and so there's sort of an anxiety around teleology here, and these sorts of narratives lead into a kind of you know uh, omega point kind of thinking and whatnot. Which again, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe there's not something so terrible about that, but um, yeah, for me, I'm really interested in metamodern spirituality precisely in that area where it's a project of, well, what is the metamodern God, so to speak, that now we've, you know, postmodernism slew the modern God and we've, you know, so how would you answer that question? Yeah, uh, so so it, it's a wonderful question, but can, can you help me specify uh, uh, what you think is uh, both promising and terrible about the idea? So, so I get you. Uh... Right, right. So, um, so teleology has mm. been, Many people see it as being, oh, that's discredited. And I mean, again, even Hansi wants to say, wants to make that point. Um, there are there are flattened versions of of teleology that I think exist that are that are silly, which is like, um, you know, when you when you talk about yeah, an electron wants to go to this higher orbital or this or that, you anthropomorphize and you 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 make things not what they really are. Um, mm -hmm. uh, however, I do think that there can be more nuanced and interesting forms of teleological thinking. And that's one of the things that I'm personally interested in exploring more. But I think one of the dangers is that people do just sort of latch onto this sort of notion that like, well, well, there is this God and he's or she or it is like working behind the scenes to unfold itself. And um, I, it, it works almost mythologically as an idea, which in some ways might be seen as now we're back in the realm of pre-rational and mythological and all that. But at the same time, maybe not. Maybe it's trans-rational or maybe it's a metamodern myth. You know, maybe we engage this sincerely ironically or whatnot. So um, these yeah, are all yeah. you know, questions. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so um, uh, okay. It's such a huge question. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I do have responses to it, um, but, but let me, let me find the right angle. Um, hmm. Well, I mean, neurologically, for instance, uh, left, right hemisphere, right? Um, so, uh, 
superposition or oscillation is, is an important uh, thing in, in between modern progress and, and, and science and, and hope and, and then deconstruction and the critique and, and uh, nihilism, right? Um, but there are other oscillations that I think capture the dynamic of, of the kind of metamodernism I'm speaking of at, at, at a yet deeper level, uh, which, which feed directly into spirituality and the future of God. Uh, I, I, by the way, really enjoy um, Robert Wright's The Evolution of God, for instance. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful how he shows that out of a pantheon of gods in the Middle East, uh, Java is the warrior god, and the warrior god people, they basically beat everybody up and said, now they're, well, now there's just Java. Uh, and uh, and then Java becomes the universal god, and the universal truth, and then they start looking for universal truths. And then, you know, in scholastics, people like, okay, if it's universal, then how does this fit together with Aristotle? Right, right, right. Right. And, and then, then through that, they kind of triangulate quite obliquely their way into the Renaissance and the Enlightenment and, and all of that. Um, and, you know, the biggest geniuses of that time uh, of, of the scholastics, like uh, Roger Bacon, um, they even foresaw modernity, you know, he said, well, we'll have carts that roll by themselves. Like, and how, how could, how would he know that? We'll have ships that uh, sail without sea, without, uh, without winds. Well, he, he didn't imagine the mechanisms. He just imagined the cultural mechanisms through which we would hi uh, find higher and higher truths, right? Uh, uh, that, that would be applied. Um, so, uh, uh, the, the, the dangerous teleology is not to see attractor points, it's to see one attractor point, an omega point, and think that you're it, and that, that's bad news, uh, because, hey, we are very, we are very limited, I, one pair of eyes, one pair of ears, like, like, there's just no way I can have perspective enough to see the attractor point right um so so you, but you can you can have it, it's kind of like in social science you have a middle range theory like as a huge reaction to ground theorizing that well but you can still with statistics see this and this and that mechanism it applies here and there and there well okay so then this middle range theory helps us predict the world and then we can steer our ships better right uh so so it's kind of like that you can see many attractor points right and or or suggested attractor points and you can hold them somewhat more lightly right to hold them uh religiously oh yeah yeah let me get back to that uh, about the, the the two parts of the brain right that if, if it, i know it's a simplification and everything but it's it also holds a lot of truth uh, uh, people have experienced strokes in one part of their brain and then voila something opens up in the other part and so on and uh, and the conceptual side helps us to be very reductive, right? And to think complex thoughts and to basically take the world apart and then put it back together. Now, the, the intuitive side, which uh, the, the right hemisphere, uh, which steers the uh, left side of our body, uh, where is also where we can feel our heart and stuff, um, is is uh, a place of uh, intuition and uh, uh, wholeness, spiritual experience, um, and and uh, well, uh, all the subtle shades of emotion and all of those things, right? 
so uh, we can practice that move of oscillation, right? Uh, so uh, in, in uh, chaos magic with the CK, uh, you make yourself deliberately make yourself as suggestible as you possibly can so uh, so that your mind becomes incredibly gullible for a while so you can believe preposterous things so that you can change your emotional and spiritual wiring uh, and, and of course people go on psychedelic trips for the same reason and, and then then on the other hand we go to university uh, and study logic. Logic is actually hot these days. So it's the number one course in Sydney, I heard, or something. Um, and, and we can strengthen our capacity to pick things apart. Now, if we get stuck on one side, we, we always, we're always a little bit angry at the world because we can always pick things apart a little bit more than, than we can experience its fullness so then we tend to be reductive and want to get back at the world and always show the crude mechanisms behind everything and so on but on the other hand if we are in the suggestible side anybody can come and say like i am your guru follow me and all will be well right. there is a point of light at the end of the tunnel just go here and first let me sleep with your wife and and and, and the people particularly use situations when people have meditated when they are in suggestible states to affect them that way right uh, so so the the landscape that kind of shows up is one where, where this oscillation is difficult right um so but, but the landscape that shows up is one of uh well differentiation of those two things and reintegration of them right so that uh, the the enchantment side always informs the intellect and the intellect side always informs the enchantment side and kind of reigns it in mm -hmm. um and that doesn't actually have to be conservative or or you know step by step in a boring sense it can be incredibly radical because the farther you go in the disenchantment side the more you can see through things reconstruct things invent things mm -hmm. and so on mm -hmm. on the other hand the more you are you see wholeness and enchantment and connection and uh, warm data kind of kind of feel feeds into this stuff uh the more you can interconnect things right and and have that uh, drive from the higher states right mm -hmm. which which is basically just loving the world if you don't love the world what are you using all that intellect for right um so um uh, it's, it's, so so it's it's a, a it's a difficult landscape where where it, which kind of needs to have its polarities to to function so the polarities within each each of us but it's also within a population and uh, that you're going to have polarities between you know more spiritual mm -hmm. people and more uh, intellectual people let's say uh, or you'll have the polarities even between societies and cultures right that that lean towards one and or the other right uh but but that polarity is kind of where i feel you know the future of god is to be found um so um mm -hmm. in in and and and, uh, and we the polarity gets better the farther farther it gets stretched right and the metamodern God, uh, like I, if, if we do allow ourselves a little omega point, is when they're stretched this, boom, 
they're 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 stretched uh, as far as they as far as humanly or transhumanly or whatever possible, right? Which which and, would seem to be the case if if you consider that the kind of the postmodern god that's being killed is the void. It's the nihilistic, you know, negation, right? Which if you're mm -hmm. then going to negate that almost in sort of extreme way, that would be kind of massively mm. stretched that that's just my little two cents as you're as you're saying this but it's an interesting yeah, yeah, um... yeah. Uh, so, so so i mean you might have heard me talk about this uh, on another podcast then um uh, but but my suggestion for such a god would be a god that is uh wholly sacred yes but uh their form of sacredness well, uh, uh, first of all, it needs to be multidimensional. So this is nice in in synthism, for instance. So well, the god can, or there are versions of it in individualism as well. They have first, second, and third person guard and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, uh, but in uh, in synthism, you have uh, you know atheos and uh, and uh, pantheos and uh, entheos. Uh, God in in your experience, and um, one more theos maybe or synthios. Synthios, yes, yes. Uh, um, so um, it needs to be multidimensional, but at the same time, uh, it needs to sustain critique, right? Uh, so uh, so it's another form, like in, in Durkheim as a sociology of of. Uh, of uh, religion, he specifically says, and I know this uh, from from uh, trivial matters such as just uh, being a um, you know keeping keeping people uh, uh, to behave on forums, right? If uh, people uh, run up and uh, insult the collective uh, and uh, or, or what is sacred in the group. Uh, and uh, and nothing happens. Then the next person comes in and, and insults us as well. The next person comes in and insults us as well. Everybody talks about themselves as about the group. Then the group dissolves. Mm -hmm. uh, so you kind of have to uh, have certain taboos that okay, uh, you don't piss on the altar, right? Uh, because if you piss on the altar, we're we're never going to congregate as a church again because mm -hmm. then it won't appear sacred and holy anymore. Right, uh, and, uh, and and the same is true for you know any any, any little friends group, right? If if you if you talk badly about the collective or the collective's values or something, uh, or or you uh, uh, well, what what's the word? Mm, the you uh, sac blaspheme. Uh, uh, blaspheme is a good word. I was looking for um, uh, desecrate, you oh, desecrate yeah. the shrine, right? Mm -hmm. uh, th then, then it, you kind of kill it off. However, if this god uh, is uh, going to sustain all uh, all deaths of all gods, right? Um, then it needs to be tolerant of blasphemy right so it mm. would be a god that is uh, sacred in that it is an altar that can be pissed upon and is uh, and is insulted again and again and mm -hmm. nevertheless uh, three days later lives right um 
uh, or, 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 or resurrects, right? So, so, so that's kind of where I got the concept of the headless God, right? It's all, he's always, or they are always on their way to the guillotine, right? And uh, you chop the God's head off and it's, and it's still sacred, right? Uh, so, so it would be a God that can take as uh, uh, all the postmodern critique in the world and that we, we, we would, uh, and um, we would differentiate ourselves from by critiquing it, right? Uh, by critiquing any belief structure. And whatever belief structure sustains that, uh, that uh, ferocious critique of, of the reductive mind um, again and again, well, is actually worth believing in, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so, yeah. so basically, it's it, it would be a god that we attack and attack and attack, and then uh, uh, then gives back to us by showing what's left after we've done all our attacks. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. so, so then, uh, yeah, that, that we can be ruthless to our own conception of God, and through that, actually construct something that is solid enough for us to really believe in. Well, that's what yes. I, that's why I'm really believe, you know, not yeah. just ironically. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm intrigued by this notion of sort of uh um of a of a meta religious meta narrative. I mean, if you look not at a bunch of different religions, I mean, this is a big problem politically too, is how do we how do we all get along when everyone's got these absolutistic value mm -hmm. systems and ideal ideological commitments yeah. that are religiously rooted that can't kind of see past the fact it's like, well, it's you know, what's the name of our God and what are they like and this and that. But what I'm intrigued by is if, if you can articulate a narrative in which it's, it's uh, in which this like God is finding expression through all of these different specific narratives uh, at, in, in a kind of developmental sequence so that you could look at say, um, you know, traditional Christianity uh, or medieval Christianity and and uh, maybe certain forms of Islam and, and kind of see the fact that, yes, content wise, they differ dramatically, but in the kind of stage symbol set, you know, articulation of what the divine is, they're actually articulating something very similar. And so if you say, well, that is the thing that kind of unites them and you can map that through time, you know, from animism to warrior gods to, you know, the, the universal monotheistic deity and, and so on, then you've created a meta narrative of, uh, or a, a meta religious framework in which all of these different religious traditions exist, which I think is an intriguing idea in terms of being able to find a greater level coherence that, that maybe could, you know, provide some kind of ecumenical or, or, or interreligious dialogue in some ways, um, while seeing that beneath it, or or behind it or whatever, in some way, there is something that is doing the evolving through time. And then it's sort of, well, what's that thing, which I guess is sort of what you're saying. It's the headless God. It's the God that, that, that through time is keeps getting its head chopped off and keeps reappearing maybe as something different. And then you kind of abstract that out and you say, whatever that is, that's a really cool thing. Um, so that's, I mean, may, I'm not sure if we're saying exactly the same thing or if I'm mapping onto what you're saying or synthesizing here. Um, but that's sort of the basic idea that I'm, I'm playing around with right now, at least as one and, and, and maybe, well, 
this is in some ways a, a it's a related and maybe I don't want to overcomplicate this, but maybe framing it this way is just a stage specific kind of mythological framing of this idea, which could be expressed at all these different stages, essentially. I mean, in the description of it rationally, you could just say all these different societies through time have different gods, or you could, you know, so, or mm -hmm. pluralistically, you could say, well, you know, different societies do this and that. Um, so again, then you're kind of back to, well, what, what would be the meta-modern god? And I guess maybe the word god is itself inherently kind of a, a mythological term. So um, the distinction even between the God concept and how spirituality works is maybe a, another thing that would need to be parsed out a little bit more religion, spirituality. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, for me personally, um, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll try, I'll try to comment on, on the, your larger point, but, uh, but just, just on the last part here, um, for me personally, um, I think, uh, I, I prefer talking about God and religion, right? Um, uh, because it's brave, because it's outrageous, right? Um, and uh, because um, uh, because it connects to those truths that were nevertheless there before uh, modern uh, skepticism. Like so, modern skepticism mm -hmm. says, "Well, if there's no God in the crowd, the clouds, there's no God at all." Well, oh, well. It leaves a lot of residuals, doesn't it? Right. Well, not not least the fact that you already kept kept God in, in your atheism, right? This kind of presupposes it. Uh, but uh, and in the, in the early moderns like Newton and and uh, and stuff like that, it was actually an explicit theory. Like it's it's uh, this is God's order, blah blah blah, right? Uh, but whether or not it's explicit or implicit is there. But what I may mean is there are truths uh, which, I mean, Jordan Peterson, who I'm not such a big fan of, but he makes a good, uh, he, he does a good job with, uh, with uh, differentiating between existential truths and, you know, uh, literal truths. And that mm -hmm. within Christianity, you find plenty of existential truths that you're unwise to jettison just because uh, you don't buy certain parts of the mythology, right? Um, so, uh, or, or don't literally buy them anyway, but to get to those truths, you have to at least take the mythology seriously enough. Mm -hmm. And that takes an ironically sincere stance towards them, right? Um, so I prefer religion, I prefer God, and, and I prefer um, even say religion to spirit Spirituality, because spirituality, as I've defined it, then uh, pertaining to the higher states, whereas religion, well, the whatever interconnecting principles, the fundamental principles you have of reality itself, right, and your place in it. Well, that's uh, it. That's I was going to ask you about that actually, because I that was I felt this thing in the background that was there in the listening society, which was certain kind of, for lack of a better term, like a metaphysical framework that just wasn't. It's like, we're not going to necessarily go there. We're not going to touch that. Um, in some ways, we're going to say, well, I'm not quite trying to get all metaphysical here, but it did seem to be in there, like, um, if that makes sense. And I, I, and this is maybe for me how you could start to parse, like, if, yeah, so if spirituality is, is, is yeah. first person state subjective, then what sort of metaphysical ideas or commitments are kind of lying behind? all these ideas, um, if that makes sense. And that is, may, might be where you'd locate some of this more religious language. 
Well, yeah. So, so uh, the the idea would be that um, the higher states, you actually, not necessarily in an empirical sense, uh, but in a well post-rational sense, you see the world more clearly, right? Uh, that there there is a higher or deeper truth to them. And by definition, the lower states are when you're stuck in some kind of illusion, right? Uh, so that the higher states that we experience, uh, the, the greater truth of, of the universe at it all, we're actually expressing and, and seeing and, mm -hmm. and uh, acting upon, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, if you take uh, if you take Jesus, like uh, it's difficult to say about the the actual um, historical pers person, but um, it appears as though there has run been running around a person like that, and that he had a stunt of some few months of his life around thirty, where he was just on a roll. He was in high states all the time, right? And the things kind of just flowed out of him because, well, he just saw the interconnections, right? He's like, whoa, we're all interconnected. We're all God. I'm the son of God. Like, uh, we're, uh, we should be loving each other. We, wow, we, we have no reason at all to ju judge one another. Uh, wow, uh, like, uh, we don't have to chastise each other. We have to purify our own minds, blah, 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 like, mm -hmm. um, and and how did he reach through to, to all of that? Was it through philosophical discourse, painstakingly putting one thing together? No, he had no access to any of that. Uh, he just downloaded it by virtue of spiritual experience, right? Um, and and that's the, the 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 carrying capacity of of the of the New Testament, really, uh, that it came out of somebody having really high states for for a longer stretch of time uh, and just being in a well fury of uh, of uh, enacting that stuff right right uh, so so wouldn't wouldn't a meta modern society be one that is cult actively cultivating uh basically a higher god concept which is to say more clear understanding of the world as it is which is a an expression of a of a deeper truth that in 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 whose context or in which context whatever god concept is present there would be presumably of a of a more lucid and more illuminating form which is mm. to say that that maybe the god concept has evolved is that a a fair uh, I, I mean I, again i have to answer with the boring yes and no <laughs> um, and and uh, the, the 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 yes part is that um uh well basically like you said it uh, that wait a minute if it is true that higher states in a spiritual sense bring us to higher truths and that is a metaphysical truth right uh that um uh, that there there is some kind of fundamental fountain of love uh, and we can realize it uh, but we shouldn't uh, we shouldn't believe in it before we realize it because then it can be misused mm. in so many ways, right? Mm. Uh, but uh, given that that does appear to be an attractor point, that the the wiser somebody gets, the kinder they get, right? 
It's not the opposite. We could have lived in a world that the more insight somebody gathers and the better they understand the situation and themselves and one another, the more evil they get, uh, right? Uh, <laughs> but that's not the case. Um, it, like, and, and whenever we can see that we acted evilly or, or badly or etc., cetera, uh, it's always because, well, there was some misconception of something, right? Um, and truth does appear to cascade into morality does which does appear to cascade into beauty right which is a deeply metaphysically optimistic stance to take i would say about reality which well, yes yes but but i think there is a very strong case can be made for it right and that like well just just an example you have a problem in your family and uh, now uh, uh, your in-law wants to break off uh, contact uh, and then you find out that the in-law thinks uh, uh, you hate their guts, but you don't. Uh, that's a misunderstanding. So you write a loving letter and explain that I love you. Uh, you're a great in-law, always respected you. I'm not sure where I might have gone wrong to give you the other another impression. They respond and they say, oh, well, that's a relief. Well, should we talk? And then both people explain, well, I've kind of been busy. Uh, so uh, that's why I haven't visited. Uh, and I went through a crisis. That was why what kept me so busy. And the other person explains, well, yeah, and I went through a major depression. So I saw the world in really dark shades. And that's why I interpreted it that way. Ah, and you understand each other. And then, you know, not always, because understanding is imperfect, but on well, so, average yeah. and over time better yeah. understanding of the truth tends to lead to a better loving relationship and mutual understanding right so this um, is a question i i wanted to ask too and probably i i want to be wary or, or cognizant of time too so maybe this can be one of the one of the our concluding points or or avenues of inquiry but i i'm curious um in the Hanzi model of these different four kind of areas of, of development, one of the really important ones is cognitive development in the mm -hmm. model of hierarchical complexity, the MHC, um, which is really important for uh, really the whole kind of broader program and model and everything like that. And, and I think a very fascinating and profound thing in itself. Um, so my, my kind of question here as I that came up for me when I was reading this and relates to everything that we're talking about now is, um, is it, is it fair? Is it accurate or would it be too inaccurate or too unfair to say, um, that consciousness is somehow being assessed, um, in that, uh, developmental stage framework, um, or maybe framed better as a question is, what is the relationship of the idea of consciousness to what is being assessed in the MHC? Um, I mean, you could talk about it as cognitive complexity. You could talk about it as, as uh, cognitive. I don't know. You, you talk about intelligence being also, uh, uh, you know, vertical and horizontal. The IQ is sort of the horizontal and the stage is the vertical. So in some ways, intelligence is what's being construed here but of course even in kind of general parlance you know intelligence consciousness this and that so i think you can probably see a little bit around this question of where it might be kind of uh at least headed or or insinuating but um maybe just tackle that first i mean is it 
what is the relationship of, of consciousness to what is being uh, studied in the development of, of the MHC model? Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so uh, well, I, I usually avoid consciousness, um, and uh, and I believe for good reasons. Um, uh, it's a very easily misused, and it's uh, it easily leads to sloppy uh, philosophy. Right. Uh, but but uh, in in the uh, I, I do feel that metamodernism from the source of from the philosophical engine that I try to operate it and, and enact it in the world uh, does uh, lean towards some kind of um, at least openness to to pantheistic uh, visions uh, meaning that neither consciousness nor uh, nor uh, well extended reality uh, in, in extensia uh, is 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 fundamental, but that they co-contain one another uh, mm -hmm. in some kind of fractal. That we have no instances whatsoever of any object that we have uh, experienced outside of consciousness. Hence, consciousness uh, touches on all all uh, objects of extension, all material objects in space, and all of that, and time. At the same time, uh, we have no instances of consciousness that's, that does not seem to be materially bound, um, so that it appears uh, that there uh, that uh, uh, consciousness is, in a sense, a function of matter and its uh, its um, um, configuration itself, right? We, so, so both of those things appear to be equally true, and both mm -hmm. appear to be equally um, uh, both appear to be equally fundamental to to the nature of reality. And then consciousness would probably not have arisen at any one point because mm -hmm. you could easily imagine uh, a world of robots uh, which were still self-organizing. So, so they must have had. The quality of consciousness, in some sense, must have been there uh, to begin with. So that's a that's a metaphysical part of the mm. of the philosophical engine that I operate. Uh, however, uh, in in Swedish, for instance, and other uh, languages, we have a, a difference between consciousness and conscious and just well, uh, consciousness or something. Well, so so. Uh, medvetande consciousness and medvetenhet which would translate more perhaps to awareness uh, so and I, I think that's an important distinction right so if you do view consciousness as that primary it becomes less um just feels less pertinent to uh to you know measure it captured in uh say we need more consciousness higher consciousness mm -hmm. or conscious capitalism and, uh, all of those things but rather that consciousness, if it is materially, uh, at the same time, materially configurated, we need such configurations that create, uh, if, if a consciousness is, is a field that we can experience in non-dual uh, states as, uh, as a kind of ground of being, thing also in Western philosophy and Heidegger. Uh, but but um, it's a kind of ground of being, and then this ground of being has uh, mm, mm, well, it, it has 
uh, elevations in its in its topology somehow, and those elevations can look back on the former uh, on its source, right? And then those and, and then then kind of a kind of awareness of itself can increase, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then awareness is such uh, can uh, can be genuinely uh, can be genuinely uh, uh, differentiated into those different forms uh, of knowing. So uh, so knowing itself as an object would be uh, complexity or hierarchical complexity knowing itself as a feeling subject would be uh, the development of uh, depth and uh, knowing the nature of itself or it's uh, the source of its uh, uh, of its own consciousness would be the states right and uh, knowing uh, uh, the the uh, different code systems with which to describe oneself for instance picking up i don't know uh, psychoanalytical theory or something uh, would be um, would be a, a, a like a, a, yeah a, a collective vision of of, of the self right uh, so so that th these are increases of awareness but we kind of leave the uh, the sacredness or the unviolability of consciousness intact. And I think it's an important point also in the sense that, um, uh, well, so yes, I'm a developmentalist. I, I do believe in developmental perspective. I do think those provide us with a sense of direction, but at the same time, uh, there's such a thing as developmental violence um, that, uh, well, I don't know, Europeans of the 19th century, they saw that they had a more universal order uh, than others, and then they colonized the hell out of the world, and uh, and we're still paying the price for it, right? Uh, collectively, and and uh, we're still haunted by those ghosts. For instance, in the in the form of, uh, 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 well, Chinese uh, Chinese revengeism, right? Uh, so uh, so I feel that. Um, uh, that uh, well, uh, this really goes back to what you said earlier, both about the developing God and about uh, meta narratives or meta religions uh, that can interconnect religions. That uh, to do so non violently is to actually just establish those rituals and practices uh, and theologies among those who they resonate around. Uh, and um, uh, from there on, just interconnect other uh, other faiths uh, in in manners that are resonant or meaningful to them, right? Uh, or mutually resonant or meaningful, because you can still learn uh, an inf infinite amount from from any uh, from any of the thousand plateaus, kind of right. 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 Uh, so yeah. No, I mean, that's there. there's an inherent danger, and maybe this is the developmental violence that you're gesturing towards, is that if you start to conflate um, uh, or correlate, you know, cognitive complexity and therefore, like, you know, your grasp on ultimate truth and thus like your your divinity or your sacredness or something, then you're in you're in some scary territory, right? Because then you then that does lead to these sorts of um, 
you know, or at least opens up the horizon to opens the door to a whole bunch of misuses of these sorts of models. Um, which I mean, again, Hansi is always very, always in some ways walking that tightrope of acknowledging that these are dangerous ideas and therefore need to be applied correctly. So um, that, that there's a lot hanging on these issues and it's very important that, you know, but, but we also can't risk the opposite. And in my view, in the sense of needing to re-enchant the world, broadly speaking, and the, the need to, you know, do something about the alienation, uh, then, yeah, the the scope of, of meta narratives does seem to be kind of incumbent upon us to start to shape and to try to, you know, clarify a bit. And so while acknowledging that they're dangerous ideas. Um, so with that kind of postmodern, um, uh, not quite, well, in some ways, an incredulity towards them, but certainly a, a, a you know, a skepticism or a, um, a hyper aware um, just a hyper awareness about their potential pitfalls and dangers that we've learned from the history of modernity and totalitarianism, but, you know, also being able to say, well, but these are, these are meeting certain urgent needs of our, of our moment of our society in ways, which again, Hansi articulates in many, many ways himself. Um, well, yeah. So, so given then that we, that there isn't actually uh, we don't subscribe to, like, for instance, uh, uh, Eckhart Tolle. Like Eckhart Tolle has the highest consciousness. In other worlds, going to raise consciousness, and we're all going to wake up, and then you know we're going to live in an enlightened society, etc. Right? Uh, because because it is imperialist. They're not wrong, right? Uh, in whatever way or form it takes, right? Uh, and and um, uh, at the same time. And here's really where you know sincere irony and proto synthesis uh, is important. At the same time, we should do our best to say our highest truths, right? Uh, so thus, we are free to to get out of whatever roles, confines, masks, persona, uh, like all of those things that restrain us, and you know go to those farther reaches within ourselves and speak from them as though we're prophets. And that's the ironic prophet, right? So, so the, the, uh, the, the headless God has prophets and those are the ironic prophets, right? Mm -hmm. So the ironic prophets do point towards omega points, but they don't actually believe in them that much, right? They, they just think that's the best hypothesis I've got, right? And I'm going to be beheaded like everybody else. <laughs> um, uh, so so that's, that's a huge difference, right, from, from the post-Faustian uh, or traditionalist uh, religions where when Mohammed did move a mountain and he came back and now he had the word of God and now nothing else really needed to be say, said. And then after that, you can fight about interpretations but you can't actually fight about the word of God. Um, whereas uh, we just pretend for a moment that we can speak as prophets or speak with the, with the voice of God. And I, I think that's kind of part of what you're exploring in your, in your series. Yeah, very much. Uh, and, uh, and allow ourselves that. And that really feeds into 
the thing we bring, uh, the thing br brought up in the second Hansi book, uh, Nordic ideology, that uh, there is uh, there are certain regimes of emotions that control us. And once we have gotten to this kind of postmodernity thing that we're in now, and we're working through shame, and everybody is in circles and uh, talking about embarrassing things and da, 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 like throwing off the shackles of shame. Once you're already thrown off the shackles of guilt and the shackles of uh, you know just tyranny and fear, um, and then you know after the shame of your bad. Uh, of all, all, all the bad stuff, right? All the, you know, I, I was ridiculous when I did that. I've been, I, you know, I have this and that uh, addiction, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, I have this and that sec sexuality, stuff like that. And, um, but once we've thrown that off, we're still left, left with shame. But now we're, we're ashamed of, uh, of, uh, well, our strengths, what uh, what uh, Jung called the golden shadow, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, and we're ashamed of uh, like those higher potentials that call us uh, that of those uh, moments of clarity, uh, how they radically comment upon our lives and uh, what pale pale shadows we are of those potentials, right? Uh, and we're we're ashamed of what others might think of us if we try to act upon those. So that so that's a kind of internalized envy, or what? Well, what I call sclaven moral or slave morality, mm -hmm. which isn't which isn't what Nietzsche meant with the word, but mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's, it's such a useful word. I, I still want to employ it there, so that uh, in order for us to practice this kind of religion, we need to collectively allow one another to be not just an okay dude or, or a person, but to be a prophet, right? Uh, which, which is really radical, if you mm -hmm. think about it, right? Like, uh, and just for a moment become really incredulous. And that's where the whole, uh, you know, chaos magic thing comes right. in. And, and, you know, being suggestive, uh, suggestible, being gullible for a moment, being uh, open to taking up the higher states of another person or, or their the little pearls that they have been able to to acquire during their highest states or their best uh, when they are their best selves right and as such we can you know co-construct these prophets uh, and you know a good practice is to keep them partly fictional um because it helps with the differentiation um, yeah, no, this this sensibility is precisely what drew me to the cultural metamodernist framework originally, or the Dutch school, as you will. And uh, because this was precisely what I saw there, and I, I, it doesn't come out as much in conversations about metamodern spirituality, but I think it's really crucial. Um, uh, and there's a there's that way in which we I mean, it's directly related to, I think, to the disenchantment of the world as well and to alienation, because if you're if you are not allowing yourself to experience something, the enchantment of, of life, even even in a serious play context, even even in a certain kind of, you know, then you're then you're just totally foreclosing the possibility 
of there being some kind of enchantment. And so there needs to be a kind of audacity to step outside mm -hmm. of the, the foreclosed option of like, no, you can't say that, or you can't think that, or who do you think you are? Like that doesn't happen, stuff like that. Um, and yet not in a, in a completely detached way that it's just now you're in, you know, one cuckoo land or psychosis or something, but, but there's mm -hmm. that, there's that element that, that, that keeps it, you know, Vermillion and Van den Acker talking about irony, pulling back the enthusiasm, um, you know, if it goes too far, as it were. And so creating those kinds of containers are precisely, I think, what what a metamodern spirituality would be attempting to kind of to kind of do. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I mean, also just just note on that. I mean, given that religion, art um, even spirituality uh, are are modern concepts right so, so 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 the words kind of betray us right because we're kind of stuck in the modern language about these things about mm. how, how modernity kind of uh, uh, well you know compartmentalizes yeah come com compartmentalize the world right um and and uh, well i mean there was a lot of merit to that uh and then you know stuff like confucianism is a religion is not but it's still kind of gets squeezed into that into that uh, category right and uh the, the the kind of you know religion of the future uh, like the arts of the future are likely to escape out of those confines right uh so uh so so, so, so i'm i'm thinking of you know ways to set our souls on fire uh but that's not not as in a permanent revolution because all of there's movement and institution and uh, and falling in love and all of those things radical things they happen during the movement phases but we are in the movement phase things are moving we are changing so so it does make sense for us to 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 have that uh, fire now but then you can draw on any any of the qualities right so the piety of christianity you know like uh, uh, you know the piety of the missionary or or or, or uh, the monk or the nun right uh, or the saint even better the saint is the, the best picture right or the uh, the um, the buddhist uh, version right some uh, of uh, of uh, purity of mind right purity of intention or uh, uh, non uh, non-attachment right or uh on well you can draw on the occult right on on i don't know satanism or something and uh and like just the the, the fire within the will etc like the, the fierceness the, the the carnal uh or revolutions uh that like and it's kind of my favorite actually you know um we can reconstruct the you know the, the the fire in the eyes of the of the revolutionary mm. that okay uh, so maybe i'm not actually going to run up on a uh, on some barricades and and fight city guards uh, but i am an enemy of modernity i do believe that modernity is beautiful but just like just like the roman empire was but i have to be against it because it's also untenable and unethical right uh, so i have all the right in the world to you know 
just get that mad stare for a moment or two or or even more prolonged right and, and just see just yeah. feel into that fire and i feel as a metamodernist community we haven't quite gotten there but i do believe that if we do find the right rituals and modes of containing and constructing and restraining those things we can draw on those energies, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, well, one, when you're talking about this, it makes me think of Layman Pascal talks about um, the sacred style, inhabiting the sacred style. And I, this is partly why I was so interested in, in aesthetics and religion or religion and the arts is because um, when you remove it a little bit from some of its kind of metaphysical assumptions for a minute and view it more as something like, how is this something I perform? And this, of course, also mm -hmm. goes back to some of that chaos magic stuff. But it's it's the it's the doing, it's the performative act, it's the putting on, it's in some ways taking off the other mask, but putting on another in order to tell a, a certain truth and to embody that, which you can't do if you're just, you know, oh, I'm not, I'm not allowed to do that. Um, but more to the point, um, it's precisely the the project of trying to create or co-create some of these rituals that you're talking about, co-create some of these containers that I feel like is a really crucial project that, you know, is certainly something that I'm deeply interested in trying to, to trying to find, you know, people to engage in that yeah. co-creation. So. I mean, there is something to it, you know, uh, just in terms of attractor points, intellectually speaking, now, like a few years ago, we had stuff like uh, Simon Critchley, um, the, the, the Faith of the Faithless, we had uh, uh, Roberto Unger, The Religion of the Future, or something like that, um, and uh, Will Wilbur wrote a thing, Religion of the Future of His Own, uh, and um, and you had, of course, uh, Cynthiaism show up around at the same time, all of them. And now we have stuff like uh, metamodernist spirituality. And I, I think Jamie Wheel's stuff. I, yeah, I definitely. But, but I mean, uh, but just, just hearing him talk about it, uh, that he, he wants to create, uh, you know, uh, in sell a, a well-informed responsible psychedelic culture with uh, deliberately created uh, rituals and, and his his title is brilliant recapture the rapture right the rapture um and uh i i think i think there is something moving there but we are seeing early sprouts right um and and uh and these things work in such such well non-linear manners right uh, they, we sow seeds and then there are moments and the moments can be transformative and then things kind of fall down and go back to normal but uh, uh, or, or or the projects even fail and then they're traumatic uh, but but there is a kind of learning curve that i think has begun just now uh with with the what what could be loosely termed as metamodern spirituality I no, I I totally agree. And um, that's what's really exciting to me is to try to, you know, bring these strands together and try to try to see it beyond just, you know, intimations, but actually try to 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 create that stuff and, and see it, you know, come into the world in a real way and then to change the world through that and and do the whole dialectical thing. Um, but uh, I mean, we could keep going and it brings up a whole bunch of things. I'd love to, to talk to you more about maybe sometime in the future, we could visit, revisit some of these things and, and develop them a little bit more and go into some other directions. Um, but uh, 
but time-wise let's wrap it up. Uh, is there anything that you want to throw out to people? Let them know where things mm -hmm. stand with the, uh, with volume three or, uh, or anything that you're working on. Um, well, yeah, well, it, let, let's not use a lot of time on that. Emil sent me uh, 550 pages uh, from, from volume three, but we're reworking it so much. It's, uh, well, it might take a while. Gotcha. And, uh, and there, there's the Hansi uh, self-help book coming up, which also has, uh, which also has, uh, uh, well, at least, at, at least few, a few uh, angles on metamodern spirituality. Mm -hmm. And it's a kind of show it, don't tell it book, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so it doesn't even talk about metamodernism, but about uh, finding sublime mediocrity is the basic principle. Um, and um, mm, mm, well, mm, yeah, I mean, just just on this topic, I think um, I think there's uh, there's it has arrived a kind of priesthood of uh, of uh, metamodern spirituality. I think you're definitely part of it. Uh, a friend of mine, we can talk about that later, wanted to have a little certificate as a metamodern priest to show his uh, uh, show his um, grandma, who thought he should be a priest, but I he love it. took another direction. So we can come up with a little fun performance ritual for that. But uh, I mean, I just also want to mention Will Franks and uh, Julian Davies, yeah. uh, who I feel uh, have contributed uh, impressively to this field. And I think um, somehow this should be organized in some kind of network that uh, that begins at least to to work with uh, with rituals and if you look at these triple h populations hackers hippies hipsters and uh, there's the fourth age and the quadruple age hermetics right so this particularly kind of draws the hermetics people are interested in, in the symbols and the occult and stuff like that uh, but but there is something particular well there's for all four but particularly for the hippies and the hermetics and a little bit the hipsters, hipster types, uh, something to come around to, 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 there's something that needs to be constructed, right? Mm. Uh, some kind of uh, religious practices uh, that are invented in situ, uh, uh, like they're, they're invented then and there, uh, but according to certain formulas. So they have uh, certain stable elements, a certain uh, creative elements, right? Uh, and uh, and mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's something I'd really like to encourage people to try to get together around and, and yeah. experiment around. And I don't think it even has to become dangerous in, uh, because with this wiring that, okay, we only have ironic, half fictional profits. We, uh, uh, we, we are aware that the power must be distributed. We are aware that uh, uh, the moments of insight uh, are uh, far in, in, in between and that they, they're magically constructed through serendipity through certain moments, but we can create generative conditions for them. Uh, I mean, if given all of those things in place and, and that we should be critical of the very of the very categories of, of religion and spirituality as we have known them and think about them in, in uh, from from beyond those categories right um 
Well, I think there's something there that I'd be very, very curious about. So I just want to throw that out. As, yeah, so no, whoever, I was listening, right? A hundred percent. I mean, so many thoughts there just real quick. One is just that, you know, so like I, I have a place now that I'm operating called Sky Meadow Retreat, and I would love it if these sorts of things could happen in person in C2, you know, and like get together in, in the flesh and, and do these sorts of things, both the work and both the creation of the rituals and the rituals themselves, so to speak. Um, but also being aware of the fact that so much of this community is sort of in a diaspora kind of around the world sort of uh, context. So trying to do things in situ in many ways is going to look like doing them online, doing them, you know, and, and trying and whether that's in social media groups or in YouTube videos or whatever, or Zoom calls. I mean, some of these rituals are probably going to be digital rituals of some kind or another, um, oh. which has pros and cons. Um, and, uh, and further, yeah, I'm, I'm super, I mean, uh, Julian Davies in that, that, uh, towards the metamodern spirituality article is really fantastic. I'm going to be, he's going to be on the podcast soon, I think sometime in the next couple of weeks. And he's great. Will Frank, similarly, um, he actually reached out to me many months ago and he's just brilliant. And I know that he and Julian, uh, work together. Um, and, uh, and so he, he reached out to me cause he'd found some of my work and there's a lot of, there's just a lot of synergy there between all that. So I agree. I mean, that's, that's a great idea. And it's, I'd love to, maybe I just need to start facilitating those sorts of conversations more in terms of getting into the actual logistics of it all. Um, and, uh, but yeah, um, well, Hey, thank you so much, Daniel. This has been such a, such a pleasure. And, um, it's again, finally just, it's a great honor and a joy to talk with you and to meet you. And, um, I'm thoroughly enjoying the audiobook version right now, the listening society, and it's sort of sinking in in a whole new way. So, um, anyway, take care and, uh, yeah, maybe we'll talk again before long. Yeah. And it's, it's been fun for me too. Like, uh, like I told you, I'm fairly low energy going in, being on too many Zoom calls and now I actually feel more energized. <laughs> so that, that's, that's very promising. It says something about the power of metamodern spirituality. There doesn't it is. It? It's okay, electric. All right. Take care, my friend. You too. Ciao.